pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Declaration of War. I am your host, Alexei Avgard, joined tonight by my faithful co-host, Artemis Albosa. Howdy, howdy. He finally gets to do it. Indeed. Uh, first, I want to give a shout-out to all the veterans in the EVE community, both those serving, those who have served, those who are family, supporting those who have served. Uh, we very much appreciate you recording this episode the day after Veterans Day. And uh, that includes my wonderful girlfriend, Sarah, and uh, anybody out there, any nation, really. Thank you for your service. Apart from seconding Alex's shout-out, I'd like to give a shout-out to Sleep. It's highly underrated. Sleep. It does the body good. Most of the time. Most of the time? When is there a time that Sleep doesn't do good? Ah, it's gotten me into a lot of trouble. Too much sleep. Not enough sleep. I would argue that that is actually a result of a lack of sleep in previous occasions. Yeah, but I don't want to make it sound like it's my fault. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Well, you know what? That's another reason sleep is good. It's always willing to be the scapegoat, and it'll just keep coming back for you. It's there when you need it. Yeah, it is very supportive in that way. Okay, let's give on a shout out to our sponsor, Eve Onion. We break the news of Eve Online. Eve Onion, where you're only going to... Like, this story is... I'm at a loss for words, Artemis. This story is unbelievable. Why isn't anyone else in the Eve media talking about this? A player in Empire has stated that they are going to create an empire, a brand new empire which will overthrow the dynasties of the current alliances and coalitions in Eve. And they are, as we speak, mining Veldspar in mass quantities to fuel their dangerous ambitions. Crossing Zebras isn't talking about this. Imperium News isn't talking about this. Eve Guardian isn't talking about this. If you want to hear about this story, the only place that you'll get this exclusive news is at EveOnion.com. Eve Onion, we break the news of Eve Online. Like... How did they manage to get the exclusive on this story? This is incredible. They are real journalists, Artemis. Frankly, it's embarrassing that we were not on top of the story. I'm just going to say it now. Okay, I own that, listeners. But uh, I, uh, Eve Onion's reporters are some of the best in the galaxy, and frankly, we're outclassed here. But what we will talk about is the changing Tech 2 prices in the market. Obviously, this has been an area of much speculation with the recently released moon mining changes in the Lifeblood patch. It, uh, it was a little weird, because if you were expecting T2 prices to spike immediately after the patch, you were quite confused. Prices actually crashed significantly. Why, you ask? A lot of people had been hoarding and speculating on some of these materials until patch release. After the release, they were offloading all their stores. So you actually saw the supply spike up. And, uh, you know, uh, 
pretty dramatic shift in prices. I, I saw some materials dropping by as much as 20%. But did it fall back to pre-patch levels? Well, that's the thing. Uh, as of a couple days ago, it has fallen as far as it will fall, and now those very same products are now increasing in price at least 10%. Wow. So, we are uh, probably going to see kind of a roller coaster here. I think it's going to go up, it's going to go down as people figure this stuff out. Um, it is also very dependent on certain alliances like the Imperium, whether or not they are going to export what they're mining at record rates, according to the recent economic report, or if they're going to keep it all in-house as they have you know, kind of hinted or sometimes even directly stated that they're planning on doing. Uh, if we don't have access to Dell's volume, that's going to even further complicate the availability of these materials. Now, I did throw down a refinery to test this out to see what kind of volume we were talking about. I was surprised at how much is being pulled out per chunk. But I think the reason why that's the case is because CCP knows or at least predicts that the vast majority of it is not going to be mined. And even if you do have an alliance that owns the thing that wants to mine it, those mining ops are going to be extremely, extremely uh, targetable. You know, you're in a very vulnerable position there. I've been told that it's not well suited to Rorqual mining. Uh, so while there won't be any whales to hunt, the protectiveness that a Rorqual adds with the panic button, with the shields, with the drones, that will not be there. So these are relatively vulnerable mining ops. You can expect them to be disrupted. Sometimes they'll be killed, especially in low sec, uh, which is where a pretty significant chunk of moon volume had come from before because these PvP alliances could just take the moons, hold them, and the export of the goo that came up was relatively undisturbed. Not going to be that way anymore. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. I don't think we've seen any big fights happen as a result of these refineries yet, apart from like fights going down around surrounding the anchoring of them, which would happen around the anchoring of any citadel. It just happened to be in Athenor in a couple of cases. Um, yeah, I, I, unclear. I've heard of a few fights, but I'm not sure if they were from anchoring, as you said, or people actually wanted to go out and grab the moon. It does seem anecdotally like, at least relatively speaking, there's a huge number of moons. A lot of people want to put stuff down. Not everyone wants to fight over each of these moons. Uh, certainly the one that I threw my thing down on isn't exactly that valuable. I imagine maybe the higher value, like 6.4s, may still be worth fighting over, but the other ones, I don't know. It's a lot of work to go take one down and then put your own thing up, and you don't even get the value out of it after you conquer it and replace it, and you actually have to get your members to go mine it. You know, that's a... Not all PvP alliances that would be able to take down one of these structures also have a big enough mining wing to make it profitable. Because usually PvPers don't like mining. I'm still waiting for the mercenary mining group to pop up somewhere. Mining coalition, full effect. Confirm deny. Yeah, you know, as soon as something like that happens, someone's going to hire them and then AWOX them all. 
so like I don't even well know why I expect it to happen. <laughs> I already know how it's gonna end as soon as it starts, so I imagine you guys will go out and mine for your own your own benefit. I, back in the day it used to be one of the best mining alliances in the game. That's what they used to do down in Delve when they weren't on contract, just strip mine all the belts. <laughs> Where do you think that capital fleet came from? But uh, we asked our audience, will T2 prices fall to pre-patch levels by the end of 2018? We have a 78% majority for no. About three-fourths of our audience does not believe T2 prices will reach pre-patch levels by the end of this coming year. Now, currently, they are below pre-patch levels, but it looks like that's going to be changing very quickly. We will yeah. keep you updated as we get more information about the economic impact of the Lifeblood patch. So, remind me, Alec, I've heard speculation that the new Heavy Assault Cruiser and Assault Frigate changes with the Assault Damage Control are coming out in December. Are those correct? Have any merit to them whatsoever? Do you know? I have not heard a specific date on those. December feels like it might be a little early. Especially because I don't think it's on... It hasn't been significantly tested yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm... Sorry, Gad. Oh, I was just confirming. Like, there has been... It's not on our... Um, it's not even on CC yet. Yeah, so I... I they could always put it on CC and put it out for the patch, but for such a significant change, I'm going to bet not. It'll probably be the patch after that. That's my personal guess. No official sources. Yeah, even looking at EVE updates, the only thing scheduled for the December update is the change to Alpha Clone states. And even the Winter update doesn't include any mention of the Assault Damage Control changes. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it's not coming in December and it will not have an effect on T2 prices come the end of the year. Uh, but what may impact is the changes to citadels, which probably will come in the next patch, uh, making them significantly easier to kill. I thought that was coming with the faction citadel changes in like first quarter or first month or two of 2018. I would be surprised if it doesn't come earlier. All right, fair enough. I'm I could be wrong, but it seems like they have a very clear understanding of what they need to change, and there's a lot of community pressure to change it. Um, there may be further iterations on it down the line, but I think we'll get actual movement on stuff like. Um, having Citadels go into an offline mode when they're unfueled, that kind of thing. I think we'll see that before the end of the year. I'm not complaining. <laughs> right? All right, into our top stories. We really just have two, but they're big. Uh, we'll start off with the appetizer. AFCON, as most of the audience will know right now, has fail cascaded. Uh, we literally recorded the last episode the night before they just announced that they were surrendering in the war and disband effectively disbanding. Uh, so, yeah, 
we were all like, AFCON's basically dead along. It's just a matter of when. And when happened to be the very next day. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> I don't know if it's too soon to call, but I think my prediction was off. I think Eve is a little bit more starved for content than I thought, and so everybody's still down in Curse fighting. So, like... MC's contract ended when FCON fail skated. We're no longer getting paid or anything, but there are still people to shoot down here, so we're here. And so is NC, so is Test, so is Try, so is basically everybody but FCON and the DRF. Yeah, FCON basically is now 25% what they were before in terms of size. They have officially withdrawn all of their holdings and are now going to go crash in DRF space in the drone lands. Amazingly, they still have systems. I don't know how long that's going to last. Oh, I mean, Subwar sucks, so that's why. <laughs> I guess. Uh, they do have about half the number of outposts and about two-thirds, I would say, the number of subsystems. Obviously, subsystems without a station in it not super important. Yeah, it's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if FCON still has citadels and things spread throughout their old space until this upcoming patch hits and you only have to do two timers. Like with Sov, if FCON's fail skated, you know that them and the DRF aren't going to be making a push back through the space and to be using it as a beachhead, then you can really afford to just wait and let the ADMs go down so you don't have to put your members who've already gone through a massive war through the mind-numbing process of entosising it all. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean... <laughs> The situation you described could make it a little more urgent, but doesn't seem to be happening. DRF is fighting Try on an entirely different front, not showing any signs of repositioning. And yeah, there's really no rush. FCON's not a threat. Try doesn't need the space, need the stations. So there's really no incentive for them to finish it off. I imagine there are going to be other alliances that'll probably do it for them, to be honest. Folks that do want to move in there, or maybe people that try will install, and part of the price is to clean it up. Indeed. Now, on the subject semi-related, since the DRF, the front with try is no longer an offensive fight. At least, I don't think it's one which the DRF thinks they can win. They're certainly able to commit more resources to the northern front, which GOTG was just opening up, like as FCON was fail cascading. Do we... Have we heard anything about that front lately? Like, it's sort of died down, if not stopped entirely. No, it's still going on. There just haven't been any high-profile fights or ganks or developments up there, but there, I think the conflict is continuing to occur. It doesn't feel like a full-throated invasion from GOTG. Could be wrong about that. They could show something, but I don't think they're committing everything that they could potentially commit to that. Hmm. Especially now that FCON's dead and Tri's able to 100% focus on the DRF down south. I don't think there's a lot of incentive for them to uh, to push in deeper into the DRF, but uh, I don't know. It was funny in that way. If you if you signal weakness and there's blood in the water, things can go south for you very quickly. And I think one thing that's plainly obvious from the way that this war has gone is that the DRF has a lot of land and probably not enough pilots to hold it. 
if their entire coalition couldn't break try. And in fact, they lost that part of the war with the uh, with Phoenix Federation collapsing, with FCON fail cascading and having to crash on the couch, basically becoming just another small pet. That's despite full united might of the DRF's Russian forces. Yeah, there could be some problems there for them if anyone actually gets serious about it. The one thing going in their favor is that no one seems terribly motivated to actually take any space in the drone lands. Well, and they don't really have any super enemies except for Try, who they can at least contain but cannot defeat, which is worrying when you consider the size of Try versus the size of the DRF. Yeah, that is significantly worrying, and you mentioned motivation there. And to that point, I would bring up the new faction citadels that are coming out. There's going to be a lot of space that the DRF may or may not be able to protect, which is going to have a lot of faction citadels popping up in them worth quite a bit apiece in the near future. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the fight up north between GOTG and GRF goes into a bit of a holding pattern where GOTG sort of focus on asset denial and lowering those ADMs and less on a full frontal assault. Just try and wear down ADMs, try and lower things down until the patch draws near, and then they start making their big fight. Because if you push too soon and the DRF is able to muster their strength, then they can counterattack and take all that space back before the patch hits. But if you just sort of keep poking at them, lower the ADMs a bit, and let them grow complacent that they're able to hold the front, then maybe they settle back into their ratting supers and things are easy for you. So you're saying uh, GOTG might be playing the long game? I mean, I'm not sure if it's the motivation behind their invasion. I'm almost certain it's not the sole motivation, but it's certainly a factor that can't be ignored. If I'm in the DRF right now, I'm definitely not expecting GOTG to go away. And if they do, I'm definitely expecting them or someone else to come back as December, January nears. Yeah, and it's certainly a, a fertile land. <laughs> uh, Provence is another one of those areas that has like a lot of a lot of outposts, with probably not enough firepower to defend it against folks that would look to take it. I mean, Jintan has already openly stated in his one of his Jin Talks videos that he is convinced. Our PL is just farming Providence, the lower ADMs, to make it easier for them to take all the outposts come the changes. I would not be shocked. Speaking of Yin's Yin Talks videos, check them out on YouTube. He's got a whole one about the, the collapse of FCON. It's lengthy. Girthy, as he would say. Uh, go check it out. I believe it's called The Death of a Phoenix? Indeed. Quite the title. Word poet, this guy. Oh, uh, Wordsmith? Sure. But you know who doesn't have a wordsmith anymore? CCP. Ooh, that's oh. uh, The dominant story that has monopolized conversation around the future of EVE for several weeks now is the massive layoffs at CCP that happened just on the heels of EVE Vegas. It's a big story. Um, a lot of the initial community reaction has already kind of been covered in Reddit. Talking in Stations did an interview with uh, CCP Falcon, one of the few community uh, 
community team member still employed by the company. Uh, I posted a couple questions there that didn't get asked. I would still love to see the answers to those questions, including are we going to get any kind of uh, communication from leadership about uh, what exactly refocusing on their core product means when they're cutting out communication, they're cutting out community, they're cutting out marketing. If you're not marketing the game and you're not supporting the community to market it for you, unclear to me how EVE grows. Are they comfortable with EVE as it is? Are they sort of writing off the growth of the game and just feel like it's going to be whatever it is for whenever, how long it's going to be around? We don't know. Uh, there's a lot we don't know right now. Let's go over a little bit of what we do know. CCP has effectively canceled VR development. They are still maintaining Spark, and they're still maintaining uh, Valkyrie, but they have effectively ended any kind of growth or community management around it. They, while claiming in a post that it would not affect EVE, uh, specifically EVE development, that's kind of a cheeky... A cheeky statement because it actually does wind up affecting Eve quite a bit. Uh, there may not have been any code writers on Eve affected, but the community team that works on Eve was slashed drastically. Uh, we lost CCP Logibro, we lost CCP Lilu, we lost um, not directly on the community team, but perhaps one of the biggest losses, uh, CCP Manifest who ran EVE social media, EVE's marketing, communications for EVE generally within CCP, uh, also gone. And these were people that held really significant positions. Lilu was basically the interface between CCP and the Russian community. Logibro was basically the interface between CCP and the fansite community. And, you know, was a major advocate for the Alliance tournament, did a lot of work there. Um, now these are valued positions when people think about eve and think about their interactions with ccp staff these are the kind of folks that got cut it's uh it's pretty disheartening and the way it all went down was kind of shocking they had just had eve vegas where hilmar himself stood on a stage and said how proud he was of the uh the EVE ecosystem, which included these VR titles, which got their dev team slashes. And you know, the community team seems, you know, no, no overt signs of issues. Um, and then two, three weeks later, they were told that they had to all go. Particularly a problem for Falcon, who remains along with Guard on the community team. Lee Lewis is his girlfriend. And that's a little awkward. Um, Lilu was really emotional put out an emotional post on Facebook uh, you can get a copy of it on Reddit if you're not following her um, just heart heartbreaking to see these people that you've grown to know and work with over the years go through that kind of thing and then there's the whole question of what it means for us as EVE players and as the EVE community no easy answer there yeah. Artemis, uh, as you watched the story unfold, what was going through your mind? Uh, what? 
That was basically it. Like, as you mentioned, this was right off of the heels of E-Vegas. I distinctly remembered E or CCP pushing VR hard. They had multiple stations set up where you could play E-Valkyrie, where you could play Spark. They were pushing their new um, port, I, not really a port, their new application of Valkyrie onto the PC. It seemed like even during the CCP Presents talk, which you mentioned with Hilmar, they were really pushing for the EVE community to support and to get behind their VR titles. And then suddenly VR has just vanished. It's gone. That was quite the turn of face. And with CCP Logibro gone, um, I really enjoy EVE tournaments. I enjoy them probably more than I should. I get invested in them probably more than I should. And we've already seen that with Logibro gone, the Anger Games is cancelled because we just don't have the support anymore for our EVE tournaments. Which sucks. Let's put it mildly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would like to believe they wouldn't allow the Alliance tournament to be cancelled, but even then, who knows? Um... Falcon did sort of address it at Talking with Stations. He said that uh, how it would likely work is that CCP would handle the back end, you know, moving players around and stuff, checking their fits to make sure they're compliant. But the actual commentary and broadcast might be run entirely by Eventy. Which, you know, at least it would still happen. In fact, the Eventy guys have done spectacularly well with their coverage. Uh, if I'm being honest, I kind of enjoyed it more thought it had a higher production quality than the actual CCP broadcast of the later rounds of the tournament, um, particularly this year uh, as opposed to last year. Not that Eventy did a bad job last year, uh, but this past year they really stepped it up in terms of looking official. Uh, like It was very noticeable. In fact, if you switched the logos around, uh, you could have easily convinced me that their broadcast was the official company one and the other one was the fan-made one. So, at least they're talking about a future for it. Uh, at least the talk seems viable. Hopefully it's actually followed through with. I mean, I'm just not satisfied with that. Like, the Alliance Tournament is the CCP-sponsored tournament. The EVENT, or I guess Plus 10 Gaming, whatever the new branding is, their tournament, the Anger Games, all of the EVE player sort of sponsored tournaments fine we can we can use even t we can be extremely happy with the product they're putting out but when you have a ccp explicitly sponsored tournament in the alliance tournament or any future um secession games or whatever the amar one was called my memory is particularly poor today succession games succession games thank you if you have those sorts of things that is not receiving developer support i'd don't think they're going to last. Yeah, it could be. Um, Falcon did mention that uh, they're reevaluating all their current projects in the community team, making some hard choices about what is and isn't providing the returns that they're looking for, and making some hard cuts, which sucks. Um, I do, I do sympathize with the company in some ways. Like, if they decided that VR was not panning out how they hoped, and they didn't really see a future in it, you know, organizationally, I think it makes a lot of sense that they 
cut back and refocus. In practical terms, I wish that didn't mean so many people lost their jobs. Also in practical terms, I don't see how cutting back Eve's marketing and Eve's community management was helpful there. Uh, if anything, you should be expanding those particular areas so you can get more growth for the game if that's going to be refocused as a core thing. Which again makes me question whether they consider Eve to be core to the business anymore because it looks like by all appearances they're cutting back on it, not investing in it. Especially when you consider the new alpha changes, like the new changes to allow battleships and T2 medium weapons and all those sorts of things, that could be the basis for a major marketing push to recruit for EVE Online. But if you've just cut your or your community outreach team in half, that's not happening anymore. Oh, more than half. Cut by two-thirds at least. Indeed. And no marketing director. They apparently have someone that's in training with think Falcon said the name was CCP Gangrel, but I can't 100% remember. Um, he's someone that, by Falcon's admission, doesn't really know the community very well. He's being educated on it by the rest of the community team. Uh, sounds like he still needs some time to really get ramped up. Is he going to be in a good position when we need it to get that growth? Or is it sort of a, you know, just put this person there to say that we're doing it kind of thing? So, Alec, I have to ask you, um, Guard has obviously mentioned that the community team has to make hard decisions and make cuts into what they pour their effort and time into. Twitch is something which you are heavily invested in. Do you think as the community team, as the marketing team are making this analysis, they're going to look at Twitch and how EVE has not been spectacular on the platform of the past and decide to pull, if not all, perhaps a majority of their support for the platform and EVE players utilizing it. We haven't seen any public sign of them doing that. They've still been activating their Twitch stream quite a bit. I believe they still have streamers streaming under the CCP account to try to drive that. As for the rest of it, given my job, probably not something I should comment on. Alright, fair enough. I'm going to pull a yin right there. I need to find something that I can do where it will prevent me from answering questions you guys ask, because honestly, it feels left out. Well, I'll certainly say that I hope it doesn't. That's not what happens. Um, certainly, Twitch is a good source of growth for other games. I think it's good that CCP utilizes Twitch to their fullest capacity. Um, but, you know, obviously, that's entirely up to the company, and you know, I'm sure they're going to make the best decisions they can for their uh, for their growth according to the data that they have. I think that's about all I would say there. I will continue to be streaming on Twitch. I'll say that. Twitch.tv forward slash Alec with a K. Hell yes. Had a bit of a break in October when uh, Baby was happening, New Vegas was happening. But I am back, Baby. And uh, I'll send to my host highlight, which we'll uh, we'll get to in a sec. Any final thoughts, Artemis, on the CCP layoffs? It sucks. I don't know what's going to come of it, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it blows balls. Um, I do. I do strongly suspect that the devs we care about are not going to have any trouble career-wise. They're all extremely capable 
very impressive people professionally. I'm sure they're going to have quite storied careers after CCP, but they will be sorely missed. Um, particularly Logic Row and Manifest. I want to give shout outs to who have been very instrumental in supporting the fan site community. Um, and just, you know, some of my, certainly Manifest is one of my closest dev friends from when I was on the CSM and afterward. Um, and Logic Row, usually the person that I worked with whenever declarations of war needed something. Um, and he was always there for us. So if any, if there's any way that we can be there for you guys, you know, you know how to reach us. I've contacted some of you already. Uh, it sounds like things are going to work out well for them. It's just, just hurts all, all told. Uh, moving on to host highlights. My host highlight is a, a tough one. I took out some issues yesterday. Excuse me, on Friday night, I'm putting out some YouTube videos on that. But actually, I think the true highlight of my past two weeks was not this past, not this weekend, but the previous weekend's fight in a wormhole, fighting alongside Snuff and United Federation of Conifers. Holy shit, was that fun. Um, it was basically a, a really long Rome, charity Rome I was participating in. I believe it was for Extra Life. Um, the first uh, element of it didn't go well. We took Sacrilegious out into Providence, got smashed like three jumps in by PL. <laughs> that kind of sucked. Um, and I was very tempted to just like throw up my hands and say, oh, I'm not going to I'm not gonna play. That was enough. I just dropped 500 mil in the sack. I literally got three jumps with it, barely got the chance to shoot anything with it, and it's gone. Uh, this fleet's not going anywhere, not doing anything. I'm very glad I did not listen to that instinct. I went back to Amar, got into a new ship, uh, Brudix, and then we went up to uh, up to Pureblind to fight Horde. Got a real nice fight out of that. And while this was all happening, they said, hey, we got an Asbel coming out in a wormhole. We're going to go kill it. And that was sort of the carrot dangling to, for me to stay in the fleet. And I was like, yeah, I, I do kind of want to be in that. I'll hang around with these guys. We got the Horde fight, came back, and then it was about time. So they called for Drakes. So, yes, I got to bring my Drake. Uh, I, oh, Jesus. Uh, I had a Ham Drake. It was the only one still in Empire. I had another one in LSEC that I couldn't get to in time. And they were like, no, we want heavy missiles. They gave me a Drake to use. I gave it back to him at the end. Um, heavy missile, no newt which really came into play later. <laughs> um, but other than that, fairly standard. Uh, it was point web mid-slot. So we form up, start heading to low sec where this entrance is. You know, we sort of fuck around, do blood raider sites while we're waiting, finally get in there, start shooting the Asbel of this Small Corp, Republic of Bangladesh. Look like just some guys all court. Uh, we had, I think, 20 to 25 at that point when things first started out. And things started going pretty well. It didn't look like anyone was really going to fight back. It's too hard. Um, the Asbel itself was firing back. Um, but, you know, super, uh, super tankable. Really tankable. 
I was surprised a little bit at how tankable it was. We only had a handful of uh, of logistic ships. Some of them were getting muted out, but for the most part, they were fine. Um, they did have to like warp off and warp back a few times to recover cap and break the Asbel's locks, but it really wasn't that big of a problem. I think one guy got to like 10% shield and got pulled back, and that was the closest call we had. So that was going well. And then we start picking up some stuff on our D-scans. Capital ships. Cool. Specifically a Nagalfar and a Minakawa. The Nagalfar and the Minakawa come in at range. They're so far away from us, it's hilarious. Uh, we take a look at them, and one of the pilots in our fleet notices that, oh, it doesn't actually have high-angle weapons. It has capital versus capital weapons. Meaning that the Nagalfar is essentially not going to track us, like, no matter what it did. So we're like, oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> mm. uh, the caps warp down. We immediately go tackle them. Sure enough, the Nagalfar can't hit shit. Uh, some of our guys are double-webbed and painted. It's still not actually hitting anything. The Minakawa is giving it support, and in fact, we cannot break either one of them. We try briefly, but then we decide to go back to the Asbel. Continuing to work on the Asbel as we have these two things tackled, fleets total up about 27 right now. For some fucking reason, the guy operating the Asbel decides to undock in a Loki and try his hand webbing us with that. <laughs> Not really an improvement, and now the Asbel isn't even shooting us anymore because he undocked. So we pin him down, prevent him from redocking. We try to crack the Loki. We almost get it, but the Minakawa keeps it up for a good long while. Eventually, we finish off the Asbel and decide, what are we going to do with these cap ships? We definitely want to kill them. Uh, we suspect that the Minakawa will run out of like cap charges and stuff eventually. So we start going through them. Uh, through target cycling, we actually do manage to kill the Loki eventually, but it becomes rapidly clear that we just cannot break either the Minakawa or the Nagalfar in terms of our DPS, and we don't have what we need to nuke. We have, like, a nuding ship. It's pretty weak. I forget exactly what it was, but it wasn't anything too strong. So we're like, ah, oh, shit. All right, well, let's... Let's just keep working on them and keep working on them. It's still super clear that nothing is going to break. So we're like, fine, let's start bumping. So we start knocking the Nagalfar and the Minakawa apart, effectively splitting our fleet in half with each bumping the other one away from the other ship. We get the, ne we get the Minakawa about 80 clicks away, and then we start turning all the damage to the Nagalfar. And at this point, we're starting to ship in more newt ships. We're getting a curse. Uh, we're getting, like, a Newt Dominix. I think somebody brought a Balgorn. We finally break him. It takes forever. Now it's the Minakawa's turn. We start putting everything we have in the Minakawa, except now we have a ship scanner. We get his fit, run the math, even with all the new Newts that we had brought in. Still not enough. He can tank our entire fleet with his reps. He can tank all of our newts with his cap recharge fit. Not wow. actively cap boosting. All oh, passive. Oh no. So he is effectively safe forever. 
This is extremely disheartening to us, but we don't want to give up on this cap kill because we, we have him, like, super tackled. He is not going anywhere. Uh, it's at that point people start calling in the bat phones. I managed to get Brothers of Hariel in in a new chip. Broza! And we also managed to get... Uh, it's another wormhole corp. Let me get the the exact name here. It was White Sky, who I was not too familiar with, but they rolled in with more new chips. We got um, oh, and Pinecones, the conifers guys. They brought like a Newtsin, another Balgorn. The White Sky guys brought, I think, it was ten Newtfit Ashamus. <laughs> and finally. Once we got up to 40 people in fleet, after about two hours, a little over two hours of straight combat, with some of our drakes running out of missiles, we finally, finally break this guy. The worst part about it is, aside from like a little bit in the mid slots, he was pretty much not blinged. Like, nothing too crazy. He had Pith C-type invuls, which I guess is pretty good. Concord cap stuff but like not not a 20 billion isk ship i think he clocked in at like 3.5 two goddamn hours i was so hungry (laughs) i actually ordered a pizza waited till it got here just like at 40 minutes got up effectively just left my ship because he wasn't shooting back with anything that could hurt us i just kept firing Went down, picked it up, paid for it, walked back, put it aside, sat back down at the chair, still shooting the fucking Minakama. It's not going anywhere. It was ridiculous. Uh, If you want to go check it out, I put out a video called What It Takes to Kill a Minakama. So you can experience all two hours of that painful, painful memory that did end with about 20 bill and really dank kills. So happy ending. Hell of a journey to get there. Artemis, take it away. Well, um, today seems to be the day of excruciatingly long fights. Um, Mine comes... It's actually... I'm technically cheating. Our host highlights are usually supposed to be within the last two weeks, but last last episode before it had two fantastic things happened. I picked one, I pushed the other one aside. Now I'm going to tell the other story. So when we were first contracted to go down to Curse, obviously one of our objectives was to lower the ADMs by whatever means necessary so that we could take over the Sob of Sob for Try and Sing or Serenity renters. And so we do that for a while and we finally get this renter corp who is called Give me one second. They are called Straight Jacket Bears. So they have a capital system in 9px2 TACF. It's in Scalding Pass, and it's vulnerable. The iHub is vulnerable. So we go over, and we're going to... It's already reinforced. We're going to go over and take it out. The problem is we have also taken a secondary contract in the area and super hype-pinged that one before we knew that this iHub thing was actually going to go down. And so the majority of our dudes are, they logged off for the evening 
and they jump cloned to get to where our secondary contract was, which most of us thought because this iHub thing was supposed to come out at around 0330, and then we'd finish that up real quick, maybe take two hours, and then we'd go to the other contract. We were wrong. So here's the story. We start out, we've got eh, 20 to 30 dudes in fleet. It stays relatively consistent throughout the majority of the time. And we roll out with our typical Feroxes. We've got a couple of Entosis slicers. I'm there. I'm dual boxing. I've got um, an Osprey at some point. I've got a Drake at another point. And I've also got an Entosis Rapier that I'm roaming around with on my alt. So the first timer that comes out, it's not actually the iHub timer we care about. It's the TCU for the system. And we're basically there to find out how straight back jacket bears are going to respond. We're there to find out what fleet they're going to be out in, how many numbers they're going to have, and basically, you know, give our guys some content while we wait for the iHub to become vulnerable again. And they come out in an AUG Navy fleet with Guardian support. With our fleet numbers, we can't break it. But they've got griffins everywhere in their constellation. I swear they just went, they bought 20 griffins, they fit them up with full jams and a T1 Entosis link, and seeded them in every single system in this constellation. And so as the fight breaks out, or as the timer ticks over for the TCU, our Ferox fleet and their Arg Navy fleet are sort of dancing around in 9px, and I'm roaming around in my, on my alt, in my rapier, just popping griffin after griffin after griffin. And over time, they try and catch my Arg Navy, or my rapier with their Arg Navy fleet. They, they fail to do it. I think we managed to catch an AUG Navy, like they did a bad warp and one of our interceptor pilots or something tackled them. But overall, we can't fight their AUG Navy fleet, or we can't kill anything in their AUG Navy fleet, but we can outrange them with our Feroxes, so they can't kill us either. Eventually, because we're not intosising anything, they just win, the, win the, the timer on passive regen. And so they go dock up, and we go back, we reship any dudes that we lost. I think we lost a couple of toasting slicers who were slow to warp. And come get ready to come back for the iHub timer. So we come back, we're in our Feroxes again, we've gained a few more numbers, increased our Logi, talked a bit of strategy, whether or not, if they bring out the ANIs, whether we want to fight them head-on or not. And suddenly they undock with a Ferox fleet as well. We're like, great! That's fantastic. We've got Feroxes, they've got Feroxes. We're about even numbers. The final VR says they had 35, 25, and we had 30. But of course, the majority of us are alts, but probably so are they. In any case, we brawl with their Feroxes. Basically, what we expected them to do is because we kited so much with our Feroxes versus the Og Navies, we expected them to have long-range ammo loaded, planning for us to do the same, and instead we came in and brawled straight with Drablin, wiped the floor with them. We could have killed more of their fleet, but we had some incidents with a few dictors. And so their fleet is eventually gone, and we start in Tosasig. But they just reform into Kitchen Sink, and are roaming through their pocket with Kitchen Sink run-on-sense, popping our Entosis ships, or at least trying to. They don't succeed very much, because we're able to stop it, but it's super freaking annoying. So for hour after hour, we're just roaming around in this battlecruiser fleet trying to catch their kitchen sink fleet who are trying to kill our entosisers, all the while also trying to kill the random griffins that they're just undocking one after the other after the other. And over time, we keep doing this. They're gaining a few. We're gaining a few. It's gone three to four hours now, and 
number one, the op for the other contract that we're supposed to have happen is starting, and they're starting to call for dudes to come from our fleet. Which, we can't spare any dudes. But, we make do. We keep working, we keep trying, we're desperate for numbers, and then at some point, these guys get the crazy idea that they are going to all ball up on a single gate, which at the time, we thought this was great. We can finally just catch them, kill them all, be done with this nonsense, finish the timer, and go on our way. And then they drop a Ha revelation. And everybody's like, wait, what? Of course, the Ha revelation, it just it shreds through our Ferox fleet. We get off really quick. Fortunately, it killed just our Logi, not much of our actual DPS. And so we're able to group ourselves back together, get back to each other, go back onto grid. Um, the revelation warped off to a Raitaru, but obviously it can't dock there. And so we start bumping it on grid with this Raitaru. And over time, their kitchen sink fleet runs back to Raitaru. They try and kill us. We try and kill them. More often than not, we get kill mills and they don't because we have Logi and they don't. But it's just a huge mess, a big fight all throughout an entire constellation. All in all, it lasted five hours in total. We were sitting there constantly entosising stuff, constantly roaming around pocket trying to catch their feet. We had a Haw Revelation drop on us. Eventually, we just let it go. Like, we figured, you know what? We're done with this. If they ever wisen up and pilot this Raitaru, they can wipe our fleet. So we're just going to leave it be. And it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was excruciatingly long because we were expecting it to be an hour, maybe two. And it turned out to be five hours long. We were doing it with fewer people than we needed because of this other side contract and things like that. But it was a load of fun, and I enjoyed it. Sounds like an awesome Saab fight. Yeah, it's like what Fozzie Saab was supposed to be. You have only Yen was here to see it. Indeed. Okay, guys, well, that's it. Head to declarationsofwar.com to participate in this show's poll and leave a comment on the episode. Check out our YouTubes, check out our streams. Uh, Capitalist Army is recruiting. Going to have some really cool updates about our Great Wildlands project uh, probably in the next episode, I'm going to guess. Um, really interesting stuff going on down there, and we're starting to see some growth both in the Corp and in the Great Wildlands community. Good time to hop on in. Join Capitalist Chat and Game for more info or just shoot me an email. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're killing, good hunting listeners. <laughs>